Hey, if you're fascinated by this whole Super League story that we're going to talk about in a second with Chris Ryan, check out Ringer FC. That is our soccer podcast where we have the Stadio guys, Ryan and Musa. We have Wrighty's House. Uh, it's a really good one. If you love soccer, check it out. Ringer FC. Find it on Spotify or wherever you get your pods. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. After four years away, it's the return of a fan favorite Arby's brown sugar bacon sandwiches. Stacked with sweet and savory bacon that will give you a candied feast for the senses. Available on BLT, roast beef, and turkey sandwiches. Try Arby's Brown Sugar Bacon Sandwiches today. Order the sandwiches online or on the Arby's app. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Limited time offer at participating U.S. locations while supplies last. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network as well as theringer.com. I put up a new rewatchables Monday night, Mrs. Doubtfire. Did it with Amanda Dobbins and Shay Serrano. Um, coming up, we're going to talk to Logan Murdoch from The Ringer and Marcus Thompson from The Athletic about this incredible run for Steph Curry. They're going to tell some Steph stories, some Draymond stories, and a whole bunch of other good stuff. It's a really fun one. And then my friend Chris Ryan comes on after that. Uh, you hear us together in the rewatchables a bunch. But he's going to break down this whole Super League saga for us and try to figure out exactly what the hell is happening and how long this will last. It's a good podcast. Um, it's a good day. It's a good day in America right now. Um, hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're staying safe. Here comes the pod first, Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this piece of the pot. It is 1 o'clock Pacific time. I know Rosilla and I talked about Steph on Sunday, and then last night I was flying back from Florida watching Sixers Warriors on the Wi-Fi on the plane, which I really felt like was a pivotal 2021. Didn't know I could watch basketball games on an airplane. And Steph did it again, and that was when I decided he's my favorite non-Celtic of all time. I wanted to talk about him more, so what better than to have Logan Murdoch from the ringer who is in the Bay as well as Marcus Thompson from the athletic who just wrote about Steph today, who has had a front front row seat for a lot of this. Steph went to another level. Marcus, we'll start with you. Um, what, how did he go up a level? I thought we already had the Steph apex. I thought 15 and 16, that was it. We'd climbed the mountain. This was as high as it was going to go. How did we go up to another mountain here? What is going on? I don't even know. Like, we need scientists involved. Like, this doesn't make any sense. The dude is 33 years old. At best, you're supposed to just maintain it, right? 
if he's just this dude to 35 or the dude he was in 2019 or 35, that would have been fine. Like, I don't even know what he's doing. Uh, I, I kind of, I, we need science involved. We need like some kind of like, put him in the 50 cent machine. Remember when 50 was in? It's your birthday. You got the tags on him. Like, we need to figure out what is going on with Steph. I, I do think that break, he did have what, eight, 18 months where he played like five games. The break helped him a lot. I think watching the bubble, Watching the bubble did something to him. Like, you know, Steph was out the game for a while. And and I think he missed it. He was working on his game. And, you know, there's no clay. There's no KD. He's kind of got to do this. So it's it's ridiculous, man. I don't even know what to say about this, dude. I've been watching him since 09, and I can't believe he's getting better at 33. It's making me feel terrible about my life and the way I'm progressing. <laughs> what do you think, Logan? <laughs> I think it's a combination of the long time off, the fact that he might have had this in him during those championship years, but he did have to play second fiddle a lot of the times to Kevin Durant. And I think also, Marcus knows this as well as I do, he reads every single thing about him to the point, probably on par with with Kevin in terms of reading what's read, written, read about him, reading what's read about him, or reading what's written about him, excuse me. And... He, t- he internalizes a lot of that stuff. And I think that there's just there's a release that's coming out right now in the form of basketball. And he's he's balling out of control. And he hears a lot of that stuff. And also, the last point in the combination is his team's not very good right now. He has to do this. He knows he has to do this. And I, I think I've talked to Marcus about this. I've texted him back and forth. If he doesn't do this, the Warriors lose by 20 on a lot of nights. If he doesn't do this and he if he doesn't keep them afloat, he kind of has to do this. So it's a combination of all of those things, just to, the motivation from seeing a lot of people other time play, the time off, and also the team that he is playing with right now. Marcus might be the only awesome. dude in the league. He might be the only dude in the league who reads his own memes and laughs at himself. Like, if yes. you're dissing Steph, <laughs> he's reading it. It's like, oh, that's funny. There was a good one dissing me. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things about Steph. He loves it. You know, we, we when we were doing the podcast with Durant and he had that whole rant about blog boys and we, we thought it was hilarious. So we made blog boy t-shirts and Steph immediately wanted one and then he wanted one to practice. Like, I always felt like he's had the best sense of humor about what it's like to be a famous basketball player of all of these guys. I, I would say Durant, is maybe in the other direction where he seems to take a lot of the stuff the most personally, but he also has a really good sense of humor, but takes the stuff personally. Curry, as Logan said, anything he takes personally, he just seems to internalize and then push it a little Tom Brady style, the little slights he just takes and then pushes it to whatever the performance is. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is Steph doesn't tweet. And I think that's the biggest thing that we don't see. I think that, he might laugh it off in, in in public, but in private, he is really he's pissed off about this. Marcus always brings up this, the fact that when guys guard him full court, he might laugh that off, but it freaking pisses him off. And I think some of that stuff still pisses him off. He just la- he laughs it off to us, but he internalizes that a lot. He's one of the most competitive dudes I've ever been around. And I just think it's just the, the biggest thing is that he just doesn't tweet. He doesn't outwardly do it on socials. 
Nah, he'll and he'll never he'll never criticize another player. He's got way too much reverence for this whole basketball fraternity thing. Like it means it means too much to him to actually participate. But if you talk to him privately, he'll be like, "Man, I, I heard that, I saw that." But he'll just never participate because it, it just means too much to him. I mean, he he grew up in it, right? Like he remembers having shootouts with Mark Jackson at Toronto's Raptors practice, like all that stuff matters too much to him so he just shimmies right he just does some awkward dance when he gets his revenge that's that's the way he does it but he he definitely he's into it all i remember it was it a couple years ago it was surprising remember he confessed to it when he had a hot start he was like hey y'all didn't put me in the mvp right right i'm not i'm not i'm not an mvp candidate and he goes out and starts his year going crazy so he's definitely got that little chip but it's been like that since he was like wearing extra large jerseys in middle school. Like that's just, that's who he, that's who he is. <laughs> I, I will say he hasn't been a little bit more prickly this year. I asked him about that earlier this season. He kind of laughed it off, but he's been, he's kind of bucking back out a lot of things now. He's there an all-star weekend. I think was the biggest example where he was like, y'all, Y'all forgot about Steph. Y'all forgot about Dre. That's he. This is his forgot about Dre uh, season, and he's kind of a bit more prickly. And you kind of get that in doses sometimes, where you kind of got Steph messed up, and he's going to show you. And he might say something. A big example of that was Jalen Brown um, a couple years back at a Warriors home game, where Jalen was kind of talking talking mess to him. He hit a three in Jalen's face, and then like. He said, you sit down or something like that to him as he was walking off the court. There's a little bit of like prickliness that doesn't get seen. It maybe doesn't get uh, notarized, but Steph is caught from that cloth where you, if you got him messed up, to let you know about it a little bit. Man, Bill, you know what we need? We need Steph to go into OG Kobe mode. If we're, can you imagine if Steph gets to be 35? It's like, I don't care. I'm just going to say it. Yo, <laughs> this is what I need from Steph. Just go into I don't care. I'm gonna say yeah. whatever I think. I've made it. I've arrived. If we get that from Steph, my my, my whole career will be complete. I'll I'll be done. Well, you mentioned Kobe. You you threw this in your piece today. I was jealous of it that I didn't think of it earlier. So you have these MVP seasons. They're easy to follow. They're track. You go on Basketball Reference, and you can remember certain seasons for whatever they mean. I mean, there's a there's those other type of seasons where ultimately they're going to lose in the playoffs, right? They might, they might give Utah a fun scare in round one, but they're just not good enough. But you mentioned that 0506 Kobe season. And this is what he's been doing the last three weeks is the closest we've seen to that, where it's just like, this guy's on a team that's not very good. If he's not doing this, they would be a team that won 30% of their games. But now he's hitting this point where there's there's a little bit of reverence coming around, not just from like the coaching staff and the teammates. I love reading the quotes today were great. Some of Kerr's Kerr's like run out of ways to have an orgasm yes. about how much he loves <laughs> coaching Curry. He's just he's done every possible quote on that. But then you're seeing it from the other guys, and you could see it in the eyes with the Sixers yesterday. There was some that kind of helpless Embiid who has been a big bully this whole season, right? He's bullied teams left and right. He's bullied playoff teams. He's bullied other other centers. It was like a Rocky Four, the Russian is cut kind of moment with him last night when Kavon Looney's, you know, stuffing him at the rim. Curry's hitting threes in the other end. You could see like Embiid's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but the 06 Kobe thing versus this Curry season, it would have to go on for a couple weeks at this level beyond what we've had. But I do feel like it's in play, right, Marcus? 
No question. And you know what's special about that? If you didn't see it, you don't understand. You yeah. don't feel it. Like, this is, like, I'm calling it the, the privilege of the present, man. We, we're here. Like, people, mm-hmm. you can't appreciate Jordan unless you saw it. I, I, I hate the fact that I wasn't there, like, for Magic and Bird. Like I can appreciate it, but I wasn't in the build. Like I wasn't there, so this is yeah. this is what we get. Kobe was incredible. It was insane, right? He's riding yeah. with Smush Parker, them, right? <laughs> we and don't them. know who it is. Yeah, and them, right? That's, well, because he had that he had that Dallas game before the eighty-one point game. Yep, yep. Absolutely. And I remember writing a magazine column about it because I was furious he didn't go for eighty. So it's like, man, you, you that might never happen again. And then two, it didn't matter. Two and weeks later, he, read, he actually yeah. got eighty, but he it was like that. Where what happened? <laughs> it, it was, but it was like that. It was appointment viewing the whole time. Logan was in nursery school at that point, but he barely remembers it. <laughs> uh, no, I, <laughs> I remember that Kobe year, and I remember um, the eighty-one points in the sixty-two and three quarters. I, I, I feel privileged enough, feel privileged to be able to say I watched Steph during this stretch in person. It was against the Milwaukee Bucks, one of those games where the Warriors were not supposed to win. I was sitting next to. Uh, Actually, sitting next to Mark Spears when this happened, um, and we, I, we, I asked Mark, "I'm like, you think they're gonna win this game?" He's like, "I don't think so. I think they were down like ten with like eight minutes to go. It's a very uninspired game." And Steph just says, "Forget this. I'm gonna win this game by myself," and literally won the game by himself. And there have been games like that during this stretch where he's kind of had to do that, and he's doing this like Kobe that year with. A messed up tailbone with with all these injuries that are going on right now. Um, got he's balling. <laughs> he got a butt pad. He has a butt pad. He's wearing a diaper as he's as he's as he's doing this run. Is that wait a really second? Is that actually true? I thought that was like a myth. He's, he really has no, a pad. He's got on a his pad. Tailbone? He's got a pad yeah. on his tailbone. Yeah, he looking chunky. Check him out. Check out Steph's yeah. rear. He looks. Steph got chunky. a donk. <laughs> <laughs> Steph going to be on here. King Magazine. <laughs> Steph Marcus, is out here. He looking thick. Marcus, beginning of the season, he took Steph took some shit early. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was three weeks in where he had like one or two bad games, and then the LeBron media mafia came in, and then all, and it was like everyone's disparaging Steph. And then the next game, he went off and kind of quelled it. But why hasn't he gotten the respect of a two-time MVP who has won three titles, who was a revolutionary? But then you'll see it like the last week or so. And then all of a sudden he has the respect again. And people are like, oh man, he changed the game, blah, blah, blah. And then he can suck for two games in a row. It's like, oh, no, not LeBron. Why do we go on this roller coaster ride with him? It's one of the weird sports phenomenons, right? Like, like I, who else have we done this to? It's got to be somebody back in the day. I, I, I thought he'd gotten... Like, you, you kind of got to go through the fire, right? LeBron went through it. Like, it's almost a rite of passage. Everybody's got to hate you before they love you. So I figured it was that. He was so new. I still think a big part of it is the dude came out of nowhere. Like, he, he this was out of nowhere. In 2013, nobody, Steph was like the next Grand Hill. And by 2015, like, he's stunting on people and winning championships. Like, you know how many people he leaped over who were supposed to be next? So I do feel like he came out of nowhere. And I really don't think it helps. Like, he's six foot three. Like, he goes to church and he's light-skinned, right? Like, you get dragged by a dude you saw in Starbucks. Like, that don't... LeBron, you can sit with, right? LeBron's 6'8", and he's a he's a ridiculous specimen, right? Like, you can tip your cap like, yeah, I was supposed to lose to that dude. You're not supposed to lose the dude 
who like went to Charlotte Christian, right? Like who couldn't get into any ACC school. Like you ain't supposed to be getting cooked by that dude. And he's <laughs> cooking and he's got, yeah. and it's the shimmy and it's the celebration, it's all that stuff. Like it, it, bur- it burns a little bit, right? It's like, it's like playing your little brother and he's cooking you and nothing you can do about it. The next thing you want to do is fight. And if you can't do that because your mom's hating, you just start talking crazy. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's like the response to Steph. I think that, um, and and Bill, you've gone through this in another era with, I'd imagine, Magic and Bird. But whenever something, whenever Steph Deuce does something well on the internet, Steph's hive comes up. And whenever he does bad, LeBron's hive comes up to disrespect Steph and his legacy. And it's and he's just this with this. And that's something that you get right now. And that's just the, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the internet names that we're in. A lot of us, uh, a lot of a, a standship or fanship is dedicated to one player. And LeBron fans, by and large, aren't letting up no matter what. No matter what LeBron says about Steph, they're not letting up about how Steph's uh, championships don't mean anything and it's it's asterisk and all these things. And they do that to, to, to Steph. And conversely, when LeBron messes up, we're in the Bay and we know a lot of these people that are doing this, Marcus, are ready to tarnish LeBron. And I feel like that's the, the new wave that we're having right now. These two polar opposite type of figures who don't necessarily hate each other, and at least publicly. And you see that, but their fanships are just going at each other because it is their right to defend that their guy. And I feel like we're seeing that on a nightly basis on the internets. I don't know. I have hope in my heart. I have this <laughs> burning optimism that we are, we just might be graduating past internet pettiness and just start appreciating. Bill, this is your area, appreciating the sports, right? Like appreciating greatness. I feel like you got to give, you got to, you got to be the evangelist on this. This is what you do. And we're getting there. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I don't believe that's going to happen. No, I know you got to, Listen, there it's in between. You got to read between the tweets. It's that, oh, I hate Steph. I love him. I love him. I hate Steph. And as we progress by the end of the year, I'm telling you, we're, we're getting to the point where there will be peace in the streets of social media. I don't believe that, Marcus. It took it took LeBron Get that James hate out signing. Your heart. Get I don't. It out I don't. Your heart. I, I want the. I don't. I th- it took <laughs> LeBron James signing with the Lakers for Kobe fans and LeBron fans to be like, all right, I guess we all good. And I even don't, that, it like, took a it took a year after. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying. And like that's the Crip Bloods truce, right? Like, yeah, oh, and it was like, all right, I think, but like, I guess. <laughs> you know, if Steph signs with the Lakers. It'll that'll be it, right? That'll be the U. Maybe. Maybe. Well, that's what that's that story made me laugh about um, <laughs> about maybe Steph will go to the and you clearly coming from the LeBron camp. And I'm not saying they weren't thinking like, yeah, we should try to get Steph someday. But it's just just follow the dude's career for the last, you know, yeah, 12 right. years. Like he's not signing. He's not jumping on somebody else's coattails to go somewhere else. If he leaves for anywhere, it's going to be Charlotte. I personally think. What he's managed to achieve in the Bay might be the last time we see it, you know. And, we, and this is something we talked about on this podcast a bunch of times as we're in the uh, the player roulette era, where just people just kind of spin the wheel. The Bay is always it, but, overlooked, Marcus. The Bay is always overlooked. This, you see how they do us, man. You already see how they do. See, it's over. It's over. You see how they do us, man. But, <laughs> but here's the thing: like you would say, all right, well, Luca, maybe Luca retires with Dallas. None of the three of us wouldn't bet on that. I don't know where Luca's going to be in five years. Steph might be the last guy, and and I think 
I really do think it matters more career-wise. Like LeBron's mm-hmm. been in a bunch of places. He's going to go down as I think the most beloved basketball player of the last 40 years. But who ultimately, what fan base does he belong to? He belongs to LeBron fans. Steph actually belongs to the Steph fans, but then he belongs to this whole area in a way that I just think is really important. And I feel like we're losing it. What do you think about just what he means to the Bay, Marcus? Listen, listen, the Bay will fight for Steph. And and look, we don't take too (laughs) kindly. We don't take too kindly to outsiders. Like it takes a lot to win over Bay Area people. Like, People will fight for Steph out here. It's like, I'm not talking about get all caps on social media. I'm talking about get them hands up. What did you say about <laughs> Steph? Like, Bro. Th- that's, th- it's to a level, because it's not just Steph too. It's Aisha, right? It's Riley. They literally changed Children's Fairyland to Riley, right? Like, this is, this is, they're part of the family. And then the way Steph is always like Mr. Oakland and he's riding and he's so appreciative. Like, he, he, he can't leave at this point, right? If he yeah. left, they might burn down Chase just because they'd be so mad at Joe Lakeham for letting it happen. But it just won't happen. He's not no. going to do Aisha ain't letting them. That's funny because what Marcus just said the last part was if Steph leaves, they're not blaming Steph. They're blaming Joe Lakeham. They're blaming everybody else no but question. Steph. And the thing is, though, um, the Bay will fight for Steph. And it's not just one demographic. You go to Tiburon, you go to San Leandro, you go to Oakland, you go to San Jose, you go to the, the, the Silicon Valley. Everybody ride with Steph out here. And that's the love. And I don't I don't know another athlete that has as much love. Maybe Joe Montana, you know, maybe that. Maybe Jerry Rice, who has as much love all over the Bay. Oh, it's, tough, as much yeah. as, it's tough. But, like, it's the tough. fact that Steph is even in that conversation – and if I said he's the best best player in Bay Area history, you won't blink an eye. That shows how much Steph means to the Bay Area. Well, the Barry Bonds piece of this, which you did not mention, I was stunned how popular Barry Bonds still is in the Bay. Oh, we they, they ride for Barry in the Bay. Oh my God, he he's and you <laughs> understand why he didn't leave because yeah. this is the, his one safe place where it's like he's yeah. still a superstar. Nobody holds anything against him. But I had no idea. I saw it in person a couple of times, and I was like, oh, so. Barry this went to a couple it. Warriors games and got cheers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Barry lit. Barry lit sitting Barry next lit. to CC Sabathia, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, he, yeah. yeah. Barry, one of them people out here. It's it's like Barry Bonds, right? Steph is like that time. I remember covering that era of Barry Bonds where you just you could not miss a pitch. Like you couldn't do it. Like no matter what you were doing, you stopped to watch Barry Bonds at bat, and it was they four wide felt like an experience, right? It's like, they're going to walk him, but I still want to watch it. That's Steph right now. So as long as you give Bay the moments like that, it's on, man. He he will never eat at a food truck, pay for a food truck meal again in the Bay. (laughs) You said (laughs) an interesting thing about Barry and being like Steph in terms of his at-bats. With Steph's shots, it's the exact same way. Steph is one of the rare athletes every single time you see him. It's like the first time you've ever seen him play. I remember, um, you know, interning really early in their run. And I couldn't get I couldn't get media seats at Oracle Arena. If I did, I had to sneak up to get them. So I had to sit in like the bowels of the arena. But there's oh, this thing that I recognize. You. you see me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the, the thing that we used to say, the people that was always there, it was a Steph roar. 
in Oracle Arena that there was a distinct cheer whenever he would do something that no other cheer, uh, no other player would get in the whole arena. And that's something that Steph can capture when he goes into an arena. There's a certain type of angst when he plays, when he shoots the ball. Even if he misses, there's a collective... <gasps> There's a collective all of that. And when he makes it, it's a different type of swish when Steph makes it. I've never seen another player capture somebody like that. The other person that I think in my lifetime was LeBron when I saw him come into Oracle like that. But there's just a different type of... And hit the game winner. But there's a different type of cheer when Steph walks in the building. So, Bill, explain this to me. I need to tap into your wisdom. Why is it everybody says when Steph shoots, I expect it to go in? And then you're still shocked when it goes in. You still feel the joke when it goes in, right? If, if you know it's going in, why does it still feel this way? Explain. It's the ninth wonder of the world. Oh, I know that shot's going in. <gasps> it went in. Like, it's every time. I did and that like seven it. times last night. I did that seven times last night. It's, it's a phenomenon. I'm too young to explain it. There's some degree of difficulty thing that he's added this year. It, se- it seems like he has the ball a little bit more. It just seemed like his offense when he would get hot was a little bit easier when you have Clay out there, the space he created. And Draymond was just, let's be honest, a much better offensive player in 2015 and 16. This now, it's kind of like watching him pick up where this guy just wants to stay on the court. He's been saddled with like his two college roommates and, <laughs> you know, this other guy they picked up who they don't know his name and but and there's the next team waiting and it's like, all right, we're going to get bounced. And, and he's just like, no, no, actually, we're going to stay on. And, you know, he, he the shots he's creating, the sliver he needs now from 30, yeah. I don't remember him doing this in 15 and 16 like this. I really don't. I, not at this level. I think the biggest thing is... We saw it in spurts and all, even in 2016, uh, and also during the championship run. The difference now is like, it's unhinged. He kind of has to do this, like I said. But you saw this in spurts when he gets on an island with uh with against Tristan Thompson, and he has to do his little thing and then shoot a fadeaway. I remember hearing whispers this summer. I was talking to Juan for a piece that I was Juan Anderson, Juan Toscano Anderson, town legend, ninety fifth, um, in East Oakland. But anyway, I was I was talking to him over the over the summer, and he was working out with him. And he was like, "Steph's a different right now," and he he talked about a time when they were when they were. Uh, doing a one-on-one, not a one-on-one, but a, a scrimmage at USF. And Steph falls down when he's when he's getting guarded. And everybody just thinks it's a broken play. He falls down, keeps his dribble, and throws up a shot, and it goes in like nothing. And he's running back smiling. And everybody's like, what is going on right now? Like, this dude is, this dude is different, but it seems like he's going to be, he's ready for a different type of year this year. So uh, you kind of heard those whispers going, <laughs> I going on. Got re- I think we got a little recency bias. I think I, I think we're seeing what's happening now, and it's causing us to forget. Steph was ridiculous. They won twenty four straight. Yeah. the like, stats it, it were was, the same. I get it. It was insane. He's he was he was faster then, right? So he was getting to spots based on quickness. Plus, he had the crazy space. Now it's almost like a little bit of Debo. It's almost like I'm gonna get to your spot. Like he had. He had George Hill. He hit a one move, a little push off, and George Hill's like 10 feet away. He wasn't doing that. He can drive by whoever right now. You can't you can't stand in front of Steph with one man. It's one move, and then he's got a little something on that shoulder now. You know what I'm saying? He was skinny back then. Now he's he put that shoulder down. He's getting by you. It's a little bit different. It, we've seen this before with the Kobe's, with the George, where they kind of 
recreate their game a little bit. They get stronger, they get a little slower, so they go mid-range. Steph is doing the opposite, though. He's like, all right, I'm going to go further back. I'm going to bully you a little bit. I'm going to put a little body into you. So it's, it's a similar thing, but he's still doing the long-range stuff. He's getting to his spots, taking his time, where before it was just bad. Draymond, you did the rewatch, it was right, from that Oklahoma City game. Yeah. Draymond, watching that game, Draymond is just up and down the court like this. He was so fast. Steph was so fast. Draymond's they like... Definitely, they definitely 30s now, right? You can see, you can see they, they got their old man game on. They got the they playing in linen and sandals with no socks on right now, right? They got that OG vibe. So it's a little bit more sl- slow, but it's under control, and... I don't think we've ever seen stuff like this. We're just like, I'm just going to hit these 10 shots. This is a dude who used to have, when he was in high school, they had to give him a shot minimum. Like, you got to take five shots a quarter. Now he's chucking 19 threes like it's nothing. This was never who Steph was. He hates feeling like a ball hog. And now it's like, let's get these up. Y'all don't want none. And he did it to his brother. Like, why? <laughs> why yeah, I want to talk like about that? that. I have two things off that, but let's take a quick break. Then we'll come back. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. Coming back off what Marcus was talking about with the two things I've noticed that are a little different than 15 and 16, the physicality that he can bounce off guys now in a way where all of a sudden the shot's coming off where he's not off balance. Definitely have noticed that. Um, the herky-jerky thing, Russell and I talked about a little bit on Sunday where it, it just seems like he's able to get to his spots in this kind of stutter step, scatter, left, right. The, he has guys off balance in a way that I don't really remember him doing as well in 15, 16, he could do it. But now it just seems like he's got complete command. It's like, I never got to see Earl Monroe play, but that was what they always used to say with Earl Monroe, where he's just like, he's going right, but his body's going left, but his legs going backwards. And guys were just kind of on skates going backwards, trying to guard him. And it seems like Steph's got a little of that too. But Logan said something interesting. He, the fact that he has to do this now 
is what's different. There were a time, even when they won 24 straight, he could have the night where he, he scored 17, right? Where maybe Clay hit nine threes and he could just basically take the game off. There's no games taking off in this. There's no night where it's like, hey, cool, Juan Toscano Anderson's got it tonight. I like why I like JT. Hey, hey, yeah, all right, there's all right, no like can, <laughs> good say, there's no good say. <laughs> no, I know. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. How about he basically goes flying into the computers and split his head open in the and he's got seven towels on his head in the Marcus, where's like, he from? Where's he from, Marcus? <laughs> East Oakland, baby. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. My point is he's not getting the clay 11 threes. He's not getting no. the Draymond 24, 12, and 17. Those days, it's just him or they lose. And I think that's the difference this time around. I think the biggest... Okay, go ahead, Marcus. Go ahead, Marcus. It's it, it's it's not just that they lose. <laughs> they're getting boat raced. <laughs> right. They're, they're, getting, they're, they're down getting 50. <laughs> they're getting destroyed. They're literally like one in six when he doesn't play. They're getting... It's not even a game if if he's not playing well. That That's a huge difference. So that's so, the 06, that's the 06 Lakers so, parallel is the same thing. So I so like even thinking about this, we're talking about the 06 uh Lakers uh parallel. When you talk about he's literally the only option right now, or at least the only option that's effective right now. I'm not going Kobe 0506 at this very moment. I'm going Kobe 20, 2012, 2013 in the backstretch of that season where he had to play 40 minutes and had to do anything for them mm. to get into the postseason. That's kind of the vibes I'm getting right now now that I think about it. Like the totality of it might be 0506, but this stretch run when they have 14 games left or when they have a couple weeks left, they need Steph every single night. He can't be injured or he can't not play for them to be successful. I'm going right now to this backstretch. They need a 2012-13 Kobe as opposed to a 15-16 Kobe. Let's let's start that. some shit, Marcus. So I oh. was joking. I was joking last night with a couple of my friends after Steph was doing it again on ESPN on the big stage. Like, what? all right, LeBron's not going to stand for this past like Thursday. What? What what does LeBron what do, does he just do the interview the ESPN interview does he leak out a second uh, deleted scene from Space Jam that we haven't seen yet he he doesn't like when Steph commands the attention like this what does LeBron do let's start some shit I, I like yo the the second leak of Space Jam is innovative I like that <laughs> a scene but it's it's just I scene like we that. weren't gonna release this but fuck it here it is. I don't. I, again, I have love and peace in my heart. I have optimism. I think LeBron is on the Steph love right now. I he wrote he a winning. piece he about how they should. We it. should love them too. He he might have sparked it at the All Star game. Like he he extended the olive branch. I think. And see, look, this is a, this is a part that is actually important. Like Steph was being basically being mentored by LeBron up until 2015 when they met in the finals, right? Like wait, it was wait, LeBron. What do you, what do you mean mentored? How was he mentored? It was LeBron. It was Steph was at LeBron's camp. LeBron was going to his games at Davidson. Steph looked up to him. Like LeBron was the the superstar of the NBA who was reaching back to the young guys in college and he he valued Steph. He was at, you know, they played at uh back when it was the Charlotte Bobcats. Steph had a game there against North Carolina State. LeBron goes to shoot around. After shoot around, he goes to the game. 
He's sitting courtside. Steph hitting buckets and pointing to LeBron. They had this kind of relationship. You even remember the oh, the whole Hezzy thing, right? Like LeBron is after the game, basically throwing Mario Chalmers on the bus. Like, yo, why you do my point guard like that? They, they were celebrating Steph. It wasn't until they got to the finals where it got to be like, all right, this is a rivalry now. There's always been this kind of valued See, relationship. It's I don't like, think it's it like the finals. I think it was it's the 24-game winning streak. Because uh, that no, was when that. the when the Warriors became a phenomenon and people started showing up to the arena an hour early yeah, for yeah, Steph. Yeah, you were, and it I was like, Steph, 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 yeah. Steph, Steph. I think that's when LeBron was like, wait a second. This was supposed to be my time. Where Who is this guy? I, I, I remember, yeah. Yeah, I remember I being my- in San Antonio uh, for a road game and I'm like outside and there's like this man and his son, who's got on a Steph jersey, he's got on a Spurs jersey, and he's like going off on the ticket guy because they wouldn't let him in because he didn't have the right ticket to get in to watch Steph warm ups. And his child is crying. I'm like, what the heck is this? It's San Antonio. Like, this is the Spurs. <laughs> There's a kid crying because his dad cussing out the ticket dude because he can't get in to watch Steph's warm up. That's when it was like, okay, this is a different beast. <laughs> I mean, you remember this, Marcus, when like when Oracle was a big thing, like when we had to get there early to even get a seat, a, like a stand up station on yeah, the baseline absolutely. because there was so yeah. many people. But back to LeBron and Steph, um, it's almost like when the little homie becomes a peer, right? When the little homie is like, yeah, you've been grooming him, you've been grooming him, you've been yeah. doing the thing or whatever. And then he becomes a peer and you're like, you still proud of the little homie? But you're like, hey, hold on, hold on one second. You ain't you ain't better than me yet. <laughs> and then even to get a sliver of like, damn, I can't even control the little homie no more. That's how it, I, I'd imagine it feels for LeBron. He's still happy with what Steph's doing, but he's like, hey, hold on real quick, player. Hold on. Hold on. Let me show you. And I, and I think that's the 2016 finals in a nutshell. Like, hey, relax. Hold on. Hold on. All that's over, man. It's already done. They've, the olive branch has been extended. LeBron has been <laughs> cemented at the top. Like, it's over. LeBron is riding with him. But I, I do. If that Space Jam thing comes out, Bill, I'm telling you, I'll be like, yo. I still you wait. That next, was such a great call. <laughs> next 48 hours, he'll, he'll, he'll definitely do something. That's you guys were probably call. there. You were there for game one, 18 finals, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 The best game I ever saw LeBron play in person. But there yeah. was a moment in overtime when he got really mad at Steph and I was sitting under the basket watching it where it was like a fuck you, no, no, fuck you kind of moment where it was like, there was something there. I was, I, it was exciting and Steph stood his ground, but LeBron, that whole game was just like, we don't have as much talent. I'm going to bully these guys. And he did, he did something physically that if you had told us, you know, six years earlier, seven years earlier, when when J.J. Barea was guarding him in the 11 finals and it was like, LeBron's got to figure out how to how to use his body and be more physical and post up. And he basically almost beat that incredible Warriors team by himself. Um, there was there was some sort of something going on in the arena that day that I will always remember. So I always felt like the rivalry was really on to another level that day. I mean, you could I tell, like, we could we could tell, like, when... LeBron comes. LeBron comes to town. It's one of those games he gets up for when he plays Steph. Those one. It's not like it's a Utah or some one of those games where he's like, I'm gonna give you a light 35 and eight. He's like, Nah, man. I'm putting. I'm putting in work. I'm coming. You can tell that he's a different type of focus whenever he comes to town to play Steph. And no matter what team he's on, you can just tell when he walks in the building. Was that was that the same game? I remember that game. Was that the same game where David West and Tristan got into it? 
I, I yeah, think was it? They got, I think that no. might it might have been that might have been another game. I remember. The I thought game that was twenty seventeen because the play had gone on and Steph and LeBron just stayed back and they were just jawing at another. But I I do remember that. Do you know what that that felt like? That felt like LeBron realizing inevitability, right? He had like fifty <laughs> yeah. points. He had like fifty points. He did everything he could. J.R. Uh, Smith tricked off the whole game, and I think he's like, no, he was I so mad. Be the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the maddest he's ever been on a basketball court because he knew he they not. weren't going to beat them five times. Yep. And they gave what away this game one, they and that was it. it. The the ship has sailed. Um, Marcus, would, do you think the last five years are more fun if Durant doesn't go to the Warriors? No. I, I, a part of me does believe that people, the NBA figures stuff out, man. You got you to gotta adjust. Maybe they get one more championship, too. I don't think they create the dynasty. I don't think they get to the heights. And I, I'm a firm believer that dynasties are great. I don't I don't like parody. Parody's trash. Give me the 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 the, the top somebody to shoot at, right? Like give me something up there that for me, the NBA was built on this, right? Lakers, Celtics. That's what it was built yep. on. Team at the top. So without that. It may be more fun for like Dallas's and Portland's of the world, but it ain't more fun for basketball. You had a you had a villain, you had a hero, you had more eyes on it since Jordan was on it, right? Like for me, yeah, this, is, this this was the great part. I love the dynasty stuff. Built another one. Bro, sports are built on dynasties, man. In general, if you talk about like you talk about the Patriots, I'm a Raider fan, Simmons. I hate the Patriots, but the Patriots were good for the game. You know what I mean? Just that all the theater of that that made me want to watch. I watched the Patriots to have to see if they would lose or see if they would if they would fumble. The same with the Bulls. They had at a, at a certain point they were like, well, when are they going to lose? That's the storyline now. Serena Williams, we love that dominance. We need that dominance. Beyonce Knowles, bro, we need that dominance, man. Just <laughs> We need greatness. And, and then to have par to like just to have parody and just say, hey, okay, <laughs> Portland won that one series. Portland won the one series in like seven with Bill Walton. Nah, man. Would it would have been greater than Portland winning that one series if they would have reeled off like four straight? That would have been great, you know, for the game. And I I, I think that we always ask for parody until parody comes. Then we're like, damn, who's the next dynasty gonna be? You know what? That's well, a great point because that stretch where it's like the Knicks won, I think the Knicks won two. And uh, Portland won one. It was a stretch where in it the wasn't 70s. like, yeah, the seventies where people are. You got the Lakers and the Sonics won one randomly. Eighties, the and then you skip all the way to the Bulls in the nineties, right? Or to you know the Pistons. But there was a stretch in the seventies where all of these teams were winning. And the Sonics, right? And it was cool for them. But hey, Bill, what were the ratings like back the then? What were the ratings like back then? Didn't they have to do that on like record? When he that didn't happened, care. In he the was 70s. all over them. Dave Cowan Celtics. He went. went <laughs> no, it, they they were taped delay in the finals. It was terrible. The league was like completely falling apart. That's what I'm in saying. The late seventies. Yeah, it was it was rough times. But you're right. There there was no. It would have been Walton's Blazers, and they were kind of the the mini dynasty the league needed. He got hurt, and then it's just kind of rudderless until Bird and Magic show up. And I I honestly feel like it's a little rudderless right now. Um, yeah. I think one of the yes. reasons we've had so much trouble trying to figure out this season, and one of the reasons the Steph explosion has been so needed and so perfect is it's just weird. It's like 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I had led a podcast four weeks ago with a Utah conversation. It was like my heart wasn't even 100% in it. It's like, can Utah win the title? It's like, Utah's not winning the fucking title. Why are we even doing this? Uh, I, it's it's there's, just the there's injuries, just like nine man. teams like this. Yeah, it's the, it's injuries. the injuries, man. It's like it's like we wanted the, you know, the storyline going into it was like, man, can the Lakers go back to back? Can they make another Laker type dynasty? And then the Harden trade comes and maybe we try to make Brooklyn the thing where they have three all-stars. But it seems like we're even just trying to put a narrative on a team that hasn't necessarily earned it just yet. And that's I feel like we're like doing Brooklyn. it. Brooklyn's like Brooklyn. Brooklyn's played 10 exactly. minutes together. Yeah, but we're trying to be like the super team right now. But like, they, we just got to see them play. We got to see Kevin get on the court. We got to see LeBron and all these people get on the court. And it's just been, you know, the, and it's in a season where, like you said, Utah as by and large has been probably, Utah and Denver have been really good as a team. We've Phoenix. been talking about, and Phoenix, all these teams, exactly. We've been talking about a ninth seed, a nine seed right now. We're talking about a nine seed led by Steph Curry right now. And, and that's where the NBA is right now. It's trying to find its identity with the team, and we're trying to find that right now. At least until the Space Jam deleted scene comes out, and then it'll be <laughs> much better. Uh, Marcus, you still feel like the Lakers are winning the title? If they're healthy. If they're healthy. I See, think that's so. the season. I, yeah, but I, 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 there's at this point, I do feel like who's got the greatest chance to get their life together in time for the playoffs, right? For the finals. The Lakers or the Nets? And I feel like the Nets feel a little hapless, right? I don't know if they can get it together. They, like, can't get right from life, right? They they got all these pieces, but they, I just don't have faith they're going to put it together. If they're together, that team is scary as hell. But I feel like LeBron will be ready for the playoffs, and he'll drag AD with him. So I'm leaning that way. I'm hoping the Nets get their life together because I want to see it. I need, we, need, we need something... We need something epic, man. We've been in a pandemic. So give us something epic. I don't want to see J- Jimmy Butler like carrying a team. I don't want to see that. I want to see epic class. Give me KD. Give me Harden. Give me Kyrie. Give me Brian. Give me AD. I want to see epicness. We, I, yes. I, I earned this after a year. <laughs> well, what about what about one eight Golden State Utah, and the Warriors go up two one. And then game four is in in uh in San Francisco, and all of a sudden Steph's getting hot in the fourth quarter. That's probably our best case scenario for round one. You over here, just hey, like hey, a hey, pure hey. excitement level. Hey, Marcus, hey, Simmons is over here to really try to recreate this 05, 06 Kobe thing right now going on right He's now, where it. they go He's up three one, where they go up three one, and maybe Utah comes back and wins it all or something like that. Or no, maybe Utah would fold. Utah's folding okay, yeah, yeah. in that scenario. They they will not. They will <laughs> just not pick be and there. roll all see all game game five would, with Draymond and Steph, and they, they take it home. What would Dwayne Wade do in that scenario? He loves Steph. But now he's like a jazz guy. <laughs> Would he be rooting yeah. for a guy to get cooked? <laughs> that was That'd a weird one. It was like, I, it's going to take me 10 years it. to think of Dwayne Wade as a Utah guy. You know, one of the things I've noticed about this season is every time any team is brought up to me, I'm just immediately coming up with the reason why they can't win the title. Which, and then you go through and I've just done all 12 teams and there's no teams left, which is why I think we all default toward the Lakers thing. But like Basically. Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn should win the East. I have no idea if Durant can play five games in a row. I have no idea if Kyrie will be there for every single round. Who knows what will happen when there's real pressure. Milwaukee, I feel like I'm pretty settled on. Because I watching that Phoenix game last night, I just think when they, 
when there's that mano a mano moment where they have to go back and forth, I'm going to score on you, you're going to score on me. I just don't like their guys as much in those situations. And you saw it last night. I just thought Booker was going to score more reliably than anybody they had. Yep. And that's how yep. it bore out, you know? And then it ends up with Giannis clearing out for everybody, you know, in the last shot of regulation. I'm watching like, what does this have? Like a 12% chance of working? Giannis yeah. isn't this guy yet. So hey. I don't know. I'm, I'm crossing them off. And then Philly was the other one where you see how involved Seth Curry was last night, which is kind of how they have to be when they're in like a half court situation, a good team. And it just seems like it's all set up for Brooklyn. I don't know if they can get it though. I want to say of another team. I just, I love Phoenix, man. I really, really, really love Phoenix. And in a weird way, like I know you guys are probably going to kill me for this. There's a world where they make the conference finals and like, and go to the and maybe go to the finals if something shakes out. Hundred percent. Right? No, I don't oh, think that's well, crazy. Hey, what do you mean? That's not I don't crazy, think that's at, crazy all. at all. Do you know okay, how cool. hungry CP3 is? Do you know? Okay, like, I'm he, just, this you is know. thirty-five years of wanting hey, man. and wanting. Hey, man. <laughs> I was all in on Phoenix. That was one of the things I was right about this season. I was all in on how Phoenix rolls, and I just love their game. I love Devin Booker's game, man. I love his it's game. Bridges. How about how about Bridges. when he went glass in overtime? You see that them, the one-on-one on yes, the side? Yes. And, yes. And it was just like, geez, it was like out of a sports movie or something. There was a moment in regulation that made me, that to me, the Aiton is the piece where there's going to be a moment, and you saw it last night with like a minute left, where CP set it all up, gave the pass to him on the on the pick and roll, and Aiton like kind of ran into somebody. Then he like hurt his shoulder. He lost the ball. <laughs> And I was thinking, like, in a playoff game, is Chris Paul ever going to pass to him? Is anyone going to guard him? Is he going to be on the floor? Yeah, is is he even on the floor? And then if he's not on the floor, who's the fifth guy? Are they just going super small? Um, That's the X factor for me with them. But they have two guys who can create a shot, and they play well together. And I think they have a good coach. I I didn't think Monty was great in New Orleans. I thought he – I think he's been great in Phoenix. I'm voting for him for coach of the year unless he – blows it over the next two, three weeks here. Yeah, he was my pick for, for coach of the year start going into the season. And honestly, from a selfish media member perspective, like I don't know what, the, what it's going to look like in the playoffs this year, but if Phoenix is a team, man, a week in Phoenix sounds lovely in the spring. And I just want to put that out there. You know, I don't know who's listening to this, but yes, yes. <laughs> so so, so, <laughs> so hold on. You're saying not a week in Utah? <laughs> Wait, hey, I'm good. I'm okay. Way, guys. Uh, <laughs> L.A. Phoenix? Yo, I need to recreate the L.A. Phoenix rivalry again in the postseason because that seems like a lovely postseason matchup for a media member. Uh, Raja might get PTSD, though. You might get oh your co-host might go. <laughs> They won that series. He'll be all right. <laughs> um, any sleeper teams that you guys see that aren't? We have the three in the East. Everybody is knows it fair the to West call Miami is. a sleeper? Is it fair to call Miami a sleeper? I mean... I don't think they're a sleeper because everybody assumes they're awake. I, it almost seems like the yeah. better, the counter take would be, but actually Miami's not a sleeper and here's why. Because go. Hero's playing like crap. You know, there you can, if you actually look at their stats and I, I don't think they're the same team shooting wise that they were last year. Dragic isn't the same as he was last year. So they, you could almost make a better case. They're not going to be the sleeper and here's why, but I'm with you. I'm still... You just figure they'll figure it out when we get to the postseason. Here's my sleeper. 
Yeah. Oh, hey. The New York Knickerbockers, baby. Wow. Oh, the New York Knickerbockers, baby. Stop, stop. Julius stop, Randle, stop. sleeper MVP candidate. Here's why I like him. Sixth in the league in three-point shooting. Sixth in the league in three-point shooting. So hey, they can Marcus make threes. Bro. And if the threes fall... Man, they got options. They got dudes who can put the head down and get to the cup. I'm I'm sleeper. You don't want to see them Knicks. You don't want to hey. see them. Logan, good Mar team chemistry, at least, on that team. The, yeah, the, bench Marcus, is, the bench is locked in. I like it. They Marcus burnt has out this yet. Weird, Tibbs got he two has more this, years before they burnt out. No, nah, it's good right yeah. now. <laughs> Marcus has this weird fascination with the Knicks ever since he got a quote from Latrell Sprewell in like 98 in an internship. He just loved them <laughs> since then. But anyway, my my yes. uh my my uh my sleeper is, and it remains to be seen if they're still asleep in the postseason. But my sleeper pick right now is the LA Clippers, man. LA Clippers. Paul George is playing really, Get really good right now. We'll see Get what happens. They might be Come sleep. On, I'm just gonna say, let's do some controversy. Let's do some con no, no, and nobody expects them. The Clippers are the always the team that you figure is going to be bad in the postseason and that's at this point they're the team that's like bound to choke and I'm just going to be like maybe they won't choke this year I'm just going to do that because I've already said Phoenix I've already said them so I wanted to switch it up that's what we're doing the, the Clippers are the most talented team in the league they can't be the sleeper sure calm down <laughs> calm down that would have to be a, cra <laughs> a crazy Rondo run I think is the path for them if, yeah which is in play which is in which play is in it's play. happened before yeah it's in play yeah um, I just don't, I just don't trust that team. I can't put my finger on it. I just, they don't pass the stink test with me for some, something about it, something about the way they play together. I do not like, which is why Rondo might be the fix, right? He has a way of in, being so inclusive with everybody and that's kind of what they need. But I just don't trust those guys in big games. I don't trust Paul George. I just don't. PG gets me every time. Every time. He goes on these runs and I'm like, yo, y'all got to stop sleeping on PG. He's you know nice. why? And then I buy it. He goes on these time. runs. He goes on these runs in the middle of April, right? We're like, oh, he's about to go turn up in the right? postseason. Absolutely. He's right there. He's right there. I'm here. I'm here for all of it. I'm like, yo, P PG, MVP. I'm telling you, y'all sleep on PG. He does this to me every time. And I buy it every single time. It's happening again. Well, I'm ready for the playoffs. Are you guys ready for the you guys pro playing game? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially this year when if Steph can bring it all the way back, if Steph can have like Steph Magic in the postseason playing game, yes. You know, I, I I'm all what in. Are we we doing? need to yeah. do this. We've learned from the All-Star game with the Elon ending to last year's bubble. A little ingenuity is okay, right? Like, it's all right to okay. switch up things up. We're we, we not married to stuff. And if it don't work, go back to the regulars, fine. Like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm all for it. Especially because one of them teams coming out of play is going to do something, right? One yeah. of them teams, there's going to be a 15 seed to come through the clutch, like in the tournament. Yeah. Somebody's going to, they're at least going to scare the hell out of somebody. And that's going to make it more entertaining. Uh, who who can handle that play-in team from Murray State? Or you know whoever, whoever and it, and I like be. it. I like it because it encourages some teams not to tank, man. Like there was a lot of times when going into the postseason, teams would just flat out give up because they know they weren't going to make the postseason. And now it's just, it's Bar cool because like maybe we get the playoff game. Yeah. Bar Cuban bad, he can't. He like, yo, man, we, we got to finish the season. What are you doing? I don't like this play, and I got to play my guys. Like, All these yeah. guys voted for it. What are they complaining about? <laughs> like, why, why didn't you complain about it during the vote? Or go on the record after. Why are you complaining now? They were supposed to be a four seed there. Come That's on. why. Now, yeah. now you're that eight um, seed. You don't want to do it. We're taking one more break, and then I have a fun question for you guys.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. The experts at eBay know that inspecting every tick of your next watch is time well spent. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that every tick of your next timepiece is authentic. Time and time again, every movement inspected, every crown checked, and face verified eBay dedicates time to the details and with authenticity guarantee, they've got your back. Shop with the same confidence you'll feel when you put on that new timepiece. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, here's my question. Let's say the three of us are at dinner. We've already had dessert. Somebody ordered one more drink. And then I ask you, give me your best step story. We're skipping the dinner. We're just doing it right now here on a Zoom during the middle of the day. Give me your best Zoom. Give me your best step story. Give me the one you would tell me in that scenario. Go ahead, Marcus. You got it. Nah, first. You, you got it. You got it. I got a, I got a you, longer yeah. roll of day. I'm over here. Go I'm ahead. over here thinking right now about it. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Okay. I mean, we're going to edit this out. Kyle, you got this. Hold on. Let me think about this real quick. Let me see which one I got. You put me on the spot. What? Wow. Oh, I got a good. No, no. I got a good story. I got a good story. I got a good we're story. We're not editing this story. either. No, no. I, I want got a people great to hear indecision. All right. I got a great story. So I'm, um, I am driving outside of Chase Center. It's after shoot around or something like that, right? And I'm driving. I have, uh, Marcus knows this car. I was driving a beat up Toyota Prius. And I was outside on the, the, uh, the light that's on, around the corner from Chase about to get on the freeway, on the 280 freeway. And I stop at a light and this, uh, this whip comes, this very expensive luxury sports car comes by me and it's tinted. And it, it, it rolls the window down. And he says, and it's Steph. And he goes, you want to race? <laughs> it drives off. <laughs> oh, that's an epic troll. That's a pretty good one. That's a good I don't know, Marcus. Can you top that one? <laughs> I don't know. Mine, mine's cuter. It's a little, it's a little more personal. So uh, <laughs> my, my daughter's a big April Fool's. Like she was like 11 at the time. Big into April Fool's. It's one of her favorite holidays. So I changed the number to a friend of mine to Steph Curry in my phone and I had him call. And so she thought she was on the phone with Steph Curry. Uh, and he was like saying, Hey, how great <laughs> he was talking about how great, you know, you, I heard your dad says you've been doing great at school. And she was so excited. Like she was like, she was trying to contain it. And then at the end he was like, ah, April fools. So she was, um, she, she was, she was actually happy. She was laughing. She was like, that's a good one. So <laughs> that's I, a good I tweeted one. out, I tweeted out that I did it. And Steph thought I was uh, I was very wrong for doing it, so he called to wish her a happy birthday on her birthday. He sent a video message telling her happy birthday, so she's got a video message from Steph Curry on her phone saying happy birthday. I'm sorry, your father did you so wrong. <laughs> wow, <laughs> but we we got we got to make up for that, right? So 
for me, that's going to always be the coolest moment because it involves the 13-year-old. And, you know, that that's my heart right there. That's a great story. <laughs> Give me your best Draymond story. Whoo. I got a good one. Maybe, maybe I don't know if I can tell least, dog. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I got a couple good Draymond stories. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's safe for I'll say this one, man. I know how to do it. Uh, I remember this one time um, in Portland or whatever, right? And um, I was, uh, it was after, it was after, um, it was after they won in 2019 to go to the finals. And um, I was uh, talking to uh, Draymond and or I was trying to get him for some extra sound. Like me and Draymond had grown up a rapport and like Marcus knows this and you guys have written a story about this. What do you call it? Side lean or something like that? I was about to side. Dude. I was about to oh, do yeah, my yeah. thing, right? I was about to do that, right? I was waiting on Draymond and me and Draymond are cool enough at that point to where I can get him, right? And so um, I'm trying to get him and he gets keeps getting whisked away. He keeps getting whisked away. And I'm like, come on, bro. And like, like, I'm like, I'm on deadline. I'm like, come on, what are we doing? And Draymond sees me like we lock eyes and I'm like, and I get the look like, come on, man. Right. And, um, the, uh, he's about to get whisked away again. And he pushes somebody, he pushes somebody over to the side, he pushes, uh, the person over to the side. Like, I'm gonna go talk to Logan. And he's like, and, he, and I'm about to pull my recorder out. And he's like, Man, I see that they're doing you scandalous, and I seen they've been doing you scandalous for a minute. I seen this all night. If you need anything from me, you just let me know, and I got you. And that's the most PG story that I can give about Dre. But that was <laughs> yeah, a dope that, story. That's pretty good PG story. <laughs> I have a lot of stories about Dre, but that's probably the the the, the best one I can give. That was really cool to Draymond to do that at that point because I was very young and really didn't know what I was doing at that point, and he really showed love in that point. So shout out to Dre for that. Oh yeah, I got I got a Draymond. I got two. One, uh, I was going. I just got to the athletic, and it was kind of new. And I was telling, I was talking to Draymond about leaving a newspaper was kind of this weirdly enough scary moment because I had been there for like eighteen years. So I was just talking to Draymond about it, and Tim Coward, kind of my boss, was there. So we doing a a group like a group interview with him, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, man." He just goes off about Marcus Thompson is great. Marcus Thompson always tells the truth. But he just starts raving about me. So uh, I ended up getting the race. So shout out to Draymond because he he did that. But <laughs> there was one time, I, uh, one time Draymond was telling me something. I don't remember the story, but he was telling me something. And you know how if, if you don't know, you, they want you to say it. You just kind of like, it, you know, it's it's what you're hearing, right? So he calls me. I wrote it. He calls me. He's like, so what's this? What 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 you hearing stuff? And I was like, oh, I hit you to see if I can, uh, if you want, if it was cool if I put your name on it, but you didn't respond. So I just put what you hearing. He was like, if I say it to you, then put my name on it. <laughs> like don't be doing. <laughs> he was like mad that I sourced it, right? He was like, if I say it to you, you put my name on it. If it come out my mouth and I'm telling you, then you need to put my name on it. I don't, don't do this. What you're hearing and I'm told stuff. It's just for me. Say it's for me. And I was like, I have another. I've never heard this in my life. <laughs> this is crazy. I, that's amazing. <laughs> I, have, I have another Draymond story. It was pretty fun. That is coming back. I remember I went to. It was. The last, it was when he got the Jersey retirement at Michigan State. And so I remember hitting him. I, we were in Miami and um, he's like telling me, oh, you going to, the, to, to Lansing, right? And I'm like, for sure. Yeah, I'm going. And uh, he was like, go to Crack Chicken in Lansing. Like, go there. I'm going to hit you every time. I'm going to hit you until you go there. And like, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to be in Lansing. And I don't know. Maybe y'all might put me out in Lansing. I don't know. But um, I go to Lansing and he's hitting me like, did you go to Crack Chicken yet? And I'm like, I don't know yet. 
I haven't gone there. And I was I was hanging with my guy Colton Pouncey, and we I, I brought Colton with me to go. And uh, he's also with the athletics. So I go to Crack Chicken. I send him a picture of it as soon as it happens. And the picture of the chicken and the fish and all the stuff that's in there. It was a great establishment. And I get there and he's like, I told you. And I didn't even eat it yet. He was like, I told you. And then the next day, where the next day is his jersey retirement. He has a presser. They're playing against Duke. Like he's the man of the hour. He's doing all the stuff. He's like, you know, everybody's eyes are on Draymond. And he does his presser or whatever. He's walking out, catches a glimpse at me. There's a crowd around him and he stops. And I'm like, why is he stopping? He looks at me. He was like, did you get the cracked chicken? I told you it was hella good, huh? I told you it was the fucking best, huh? And then he was like, yeah, right, Logan? I fucking told you. All right, bye. And walks out. <laughs> it, was, it was great chicken. It was great. It was great. What it, it how are we going to... How are we going to have him on television after he retires? I, I think he's just going to have to be on cable, right? He wants to be. He's, he could be all right. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, you know, and by that I, point, I think, I think he, SCC I want the real Draymond. I don't want, like, TV watered-down Draymond. I want Draymond on television. They got to figure out how to do that. You go put a uh, Draymond TNT Draymond Ringer on podcast NBA on HBO. <laughs> put it on HBO yeah. Showtime. Yeah. Well, you figure like by the time he was, you know, he's got five to nine years left, depending on what kind of shape he stays in. But by the time he retires, I'm sure they'll have alternate broadcasts and alternate studio shows, and all. You know, there'll be more opportunities to kind of tap into. Somebody he wants cool. inside but, the NBA, though. He wants that seat. He, he wants he's not that. making that a secret at all. Nah, he wants that. <laughs> he's so, shouting I mean, out Tara August. He's shouting out everybody, bro. He wants to do this. <laughs> he's the biggest sure thing we've had since Barkley. I remember on my old website way, way back when Barkley retired, I wrote this whole piece about how great it was because now we were finally getting him on television. There's this whole new era. It was so obvious he was going to be amazing. Romo was like that. And Draymond, whatever he does, whether he's a game guy or a studio guy, he's going to be, he'll be the next Barkley. The thing about Draymond is he's like perfect for this because he's going to say whatever is on his mind. He's been wrong yes. in some things that he's tweeted out over the last couple, <laughs> couple of weeks and stuff. There's been some wrong things, but he's going to do it. He's going to say his opinion in a lot of the way that, that, um, that Barkley has done. Barkley's not right about everything, but he's going to say what he means and he's going to be right in his mind on his, on his conviction. So I think that Draymond's going to be perfect. I think as soon as it's, it's so much of a shoe in when he retires, it's not even going to be surprised when he gets announced as the TNT guy or wherever he goes. Right. Like, oh, Draymond's going to do it. It's, it's right there. I'm not going to be surprised. He's, he's openly campaigning for this right now. Look on his Twitter every other day. He's literally campaigning to do it. <laughs> Just do it now. What are we doing? Like, they're the 19. Yeah. Like, after the game, yeah. go, to, <laughs> go to Zoom and do That's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go to Atlanta and do it. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, what happened to his jump shot? Do you have any theories? Uh, I I know the, uh, you know, he had a stretch where his injuries was resting him up, and I think his form suffered from it. Uh, it's, it's definitely an athleticism thing, but first off, he wasn't a great shooter. He had one stretch under Luke Walton, by the way, where he shot like 40% from three for that like 43-game stretch. He wasn't there. Uh, it's, it's form. I think it's his body. I think it's his physical, like his physical body, doesn't lead to a shooter. He, he's never had I, to really touch, and everything's got to be perfect for him for it to work for him. It's got to be know. all in rhythm. Uh, he's just he's just not that guy. You know, the reason he can't shoot is because he needs the moment. He'll make the biggest shot in the game, but that doesn't happen until the fourth quarter. That's so, his game in a nutshell. It's he unbelievable. Needs yeah. In general, 
I remember my favorite Literally. thing about Draymond's my favorite thing about Draymond's jump shot and his three point shot is no matter how many he misses, I remember a time in Portland. It's a great example. Same game. He um he was broke. His shot was broke all season. The playoffs it got good. And I remember the last game against Portland in Game Four of the 2019 oh Finals. He hits a yes. he hits a three. He was broke all even postseason. He hits oh, a yeah. three. Looks at the po- at the Blazers bench like y'all should have let me fucking open. And Warren's over there. <laughs> and that's what he does every time. He will brick 27 straight. And then we'll look at the bench after he hits one three and we'll be like, talk you, crazy. I told y'all, I told you, motherfucker. Get somebody you. out here to guard me. Get like, somebody, yeah. Like, <laughs> Bro, your shot been broke it's, for three it's months. Un- it's unbelievable how he. Can I do love that, that about Draymond. I mean, he hit seven threes in the 2016 NBA Finals. It's still one of the great things. Like seven threes for Draymond is ridiculous. Is there a world where he comes back one season and he's been like working out with Tom Brady and TB12 and Alex Guerrero, and he's just all of a sudden in amazing shape and transforms yeah. his career? The next time they're a bona fide contender in the beginning of the season, he's going to be as skinny as me, and he's going to be balling, and he's going to be doing all the stuff that he's doing. I don't know if the shot's going to do there, but when he knows he has stakes and there's, it might be the last great shine for him in his mind that they can win a title, I think he's going to be probably in the best shape of his life, and he's going to give one more crack at it. What you think, Marcus? Yeah, I think this this summer he did a lot of the skill work to kind of rebuild it. Uh, it's so much of it is confidence, right? It's in his head. He missed the shot. He won't take it anymore. He's never been a guy who got his buckets one way. It's all kind of garbagey anyway. Pushing in transition a few times, post up a small guy a few times, hit a couple open shots, like a couple putbacks. You know what I'm saying? It's very like garbage man type. He's always been that way, and it's very supplemental. So I do think he can get there. Uh, I just wonder about his knees and like like whether he can put the grind of one of them off seasons. Like Steph worked out for nine straight months, right? Like just just every day. He was I in game shape from the that. moment he left. Yeah, Steph right. Steph was in game shape from the that. moment he left. I don't know if Jeremy did that. Steph yeah. was ridiculous. Steph's ridiculous. All right, last question, then we'll go. Um, Warriors playing in San Francisco. We're actually going to have playoff games in San Francisco this year. It'll be the first time we've had, I don't know, a, re- a legitimately relevant Warriors game, and it's not an Oakland day. Has the Warriors thing changed at all for you guys now that it's not in Oakland? Like, like, just what is it like in the city and the area now that they're a San Francisco team? Uh, I knew it was coming. I'll go, 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 go first because you got you're going to give a great answer. I think that <laughs> there was always an inevitable inevitability from people from Oakland that the Warriors were going to leave. First, they first the Warriors never claimed Oakland, and then they were like, "We want chips and leave." There was never really we Oakland loves the Warriors, but there was always inevitability. Okay, whenever they get good or whenever they get a little bit of Silicon Valley money, they're going to dip on us anyway. So I don't think this is like a it's an understanding that it was going to happen. It's never going to be like how it was in Oracle, but there was always an understanding from Oakland that they were, it was never ours. The Warriors were just never ours, no matter what. So I don't think there was going to be that much animosity. It, it'll never be the same. And to truth be told, it was changing when it was in Oakland, right? It's just, yeah. it's a different, it's a different audience. Uh, I It's what's the one thing I hear about the most from people, right? It's, it's the one thing. Like, if I mention anything about San Francisco, somebody's in my DMs. Why are you even bringing? <laughs> why are you even talking about it? Right? There's still people like, I'll never go to a Warriors game again. I think once they win, it mm-hmm. can start to become a new relationship. The problem they have, they they keep trying to live on that old thing. 
Yeah. And it just keeps bringing up a new wound. It's, it keeps, it never lets the wound heal. Like it hurts. Anybody from Oakland don't see Oakland and the Bay as this one big unified place. It's Oakland and then everything else is the Bay Area. So this idea of this universal Bay that they use to try to make it all good. People from Oakland ain't like that. They're like, nah, San Leandro, you stay over there. San Francisco, you over there. So there needs to be a new relationship right? A new kind of identity. It'll be fine, but I think once they win, it'll change. But there, there will never be what was what was in 2013 when Steph is hitting 20 and Oracle's going crazy and you can't hear. There'll never be like we believe. Because there, there were people. It wasn't corporations. It was moms yeah. and pops. It was families. Like It was people from East. It was Juan Toscano Anderson, right? Like dreaming one day. That That's it's fancy now. You know what I'm saying, Bill? It's like people It's real south, bougie. You know? Yeah, it's like, you know, we moved up a little bit, but sometimes <laughs> you still got to go to the liquor store and you still got to go to crack chicken, right? Like, that's... I that's remember when it is. happened in Boston in the 80s when, mm. the you know, I was when like, you know, my dad... <laughs> no, when my dad had... No, I'm talking during the bird era when the ticket oh, okay. prices gotcha. went up and everybody in the lower section who were just like all real people... And they slowly started to go year after year. And my dad, like his one big purchase every year was the Celtics tickets. And we were there, but we would just watch the people around us change. And then I remember, I've told this story in the pod before, but the lockout season, I got in March of 99, I got to see the Kings play the Warriors. It was my first game in Oakland. And I had no idea. And every time C-Web touched the ball, they fucking went crazy. (laughs) <laughs> and I was looking around and it was like just an arena of normal people. And I was like, what is this? How did nobody tell me about this place? I just couldn't believe it. And you could feel it. Chip. By the time we got to the last couple of finals, it was there was no, it was different, no semblance I mean, of that anymore. You got to understand, though, like the Bay Area, at least the Bay Area that me and Marcus grew up in. It was a, a Bay Area where rich people and poor people took the bar to San Francisco together. You know, it was one of those type of places. Now the rich people are like generationally rich people right now. And I feel like you kind of see the change in the Bay Area with the Warriors, man. Like the beginning of the Warriors run, like Marcus could say, it was still affordable to get tickets to go see this phenomenon that was brewing. And now when you go see the Chase Center, it's literally segregated. There are glass doors separate, glass windows separating common folk from Silicon Valley <laughs> oligarchs, <laughs> you know, you can't, you right. literally can't see them. And that's really the change in how it is. So it'll never be the same. And also in part, the Warriors kind of did that to themselves. They segregated a lot of people in that arena, the lower bowl. You can't back in the day, you could sneak down to the lower bowl and, and slap five with E40 if you wanted to. Now you can't even, you can't even touch E40 now if you want to. That's how, how it's changed um, overall in, you know, good thing the acoustics are good at Chase Center because it will get loud in there, but it's yeah, never going to be the same as Oracle. Hey, Logan, remember when Dane will come and Dane will have a whole section like 105 and you knew yep. it was Dane's people because there was a cloud <laughs> of weed over that section? <laughs> yeah. We got contact that's high when we got to 105. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's like, yeah, that's all. That's Brookfield right there. That's all. <laughs> now Brookfield. Now Brookfield is like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it used to be. With DJ D Sharp, it's right over there. It was crazy too. It used to be like the super, like like you said, rich and poor was like really diverse culturally from a a, you know economic standpoint. Like Oracle was that place. I I wrote about this before. I used to sit 
back, that's back when we sat courtside, Bill. Like when the Warriors wasn't fancy, when we could sit baseline with media. Yeah, and it used to be funny because I had people from my hood who knew me as a kid who would like stop. What's up, Marcus Thompson? Man, I can't believe you here. You made it right, but they were they were in the building. They were barbers or they worked for PG and E or whatever. And it was it was no. just like this crazy community. It was the Bay, like the real Bay. And it's different now. You can just you can see the demographic change. And maybe it was inevitable, right? Maybe this is how these sports are. But it definitely so it especially will never NBA. be Mar- like it was. Marcus. Especially NBA. You know this. There was two places where you could see all your partners at at the Coliseum. There was two times when you could see it. It was a Warrior game and it was Summer Jam where you could go walk around the bowl at halftime or in the middle of like a of, of a musical act and you could see 30 of your partners like and then y'all reunion. go to and then y'all go into a, <laughs> y'all sneak into a section together and y'all go along. You can't do that at a Chase Center. It's not the same because all the uh all the corridors don't connect no more. It's not the same. You can't you can't. It's, 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 it's hurt. Now Warriors you, now games. you ask that question. You see what I you know, just right? did, Bill. Yeah. I shouldn't have done it. It's Warriors my fault. games used to be the most expensive club in Oakland, right? Like it yeah. was like going to the nightclub. You pay to get in, and you really just kicking it. You, you, yeah. You it was fifty dollars to kick it with your partners. <laughs> that was it. It was like better than going to the, the nightclub. You just go to the, put your best outfit on, put your diamonds on, go, go to the Warriors game, get you some drinks, and just walk around. And it was, it was a night. And, it was a night out. And the cheapest after party was the Coliseum Bart on the way home. After that, was to get get go home on the Bart to get back home. See it was the most did, expensive. Now we got now we got to relive. This now we over here born and stuff, man. Damn. <laughs> maybe it, maybe it could happen in Sacramento. No, no, nah, because they got a new thing too. Maybe, but I don't know, man. I I was kidding. <laughs> I, damn. Dude, Sorry, dude, I'm, I'm just heartbroken. Right, I'm just sad. To the to the Warrior fans, what? How do they regard Sacramento? Is it like? Like Laker fans regard the Clippers. Well, as... they all got relocated to Sacramento when the in gentrification. So they yeah, they man, still the where, same people. Like, yeah. Now, yeah. yeah, that's where we Nobody go see our partners. Go to... Yeah. <laughs> Nobody lives in the They still anymore. Warrior fans. They gotta go to Kings games because it's cheaper. That's where the only twice where they could go remember see that, the Warriors. Remember that play. lower bowl, Bill, you were talking about? Yeah, they all Sacramento. They all the sack, in. Yeah. <laughs> all I know is the one year the Celtics had their first round pick was the one year in the last like fifteen years that they had their shit together kind of. Yeah. And now it's like now it couldn't have been this year. Somehow we have Romeo Langford and um who's the who's the guy we drafted this year? Nee Smith. We had five first round picks and I still don't have a bench. I'm very frustrated, Marcus. You should be. You should this be. This is just Especially a venting the session you- of the pod. Feel good about Jalen Brown. Because the level he's taking this year is incredible. Like that's shout out nice. Cal Berkeley. Shout out yeah, Cal we have, Berkeley. We have two really good guys. All right, it was great to see you guys, Marcus. We can read you in the Athletic. Logan, you're on the uh, on the Ringer NBA show. Real the ones. real ones. We've we've somehow managed to keep Raja from joining Steve Nash's staff for this whole season. I'm really proud of us. I just have a pitch real quick because we have a yeah. great episode coming up on the real ones. Boris Diaw, we have him for an hour and a half. You need to check it out. A lot of stories. You're going to listen to this one. I know you're going to wow. publish, Bill. We got Boris Diaw talking about excursions with his own wine, with the Spurs, how he has a yacht that he just goes all around the world. It's it's one of the best episodes he's ever done. We got Boris Diaw coming on Thursday. Check that out. Are y'all drinking espresso on the show? You got the... Oh, it's 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 lit. It's lit. You you take a glass of wine, get a glass of wine, and you just listen to this and just let it play. Beloved teammate, Boris Dio. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of popular stories as well. It's it's great. It's beautiful. I see why. All right. Just yeah. 
All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It was good seeing you. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you have a good team of skilled, talented people, good things are bound to happen. That's true in sports. It's true in business. It can be true with digital companies or websites, podcast networks. If you're running a small business, one of the best places to look for those people is LinkedIn Jobs. They have what you need to find and hire qualified professionals you can't find anywhere else. And unlike other job boards, LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of professionals, like more than a billion people. And it makes the whole hiring process intuitive and easy to manage. They're constantly launching new features to help make the hiring process more manageable. They even created a tool to help write job descriptions recently. Over 2.5 million small businesses trust LinkedIn when it comes to hiring and over 86% find a qualified candidate within the first day. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Simmons. That's linkedin.com slash Simmons to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? This is something I've thought about a lot over the last 25 years. Sometimes little kids enter your life. Sometimes you're just searching for that extra hour. Sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's three o'clock, four o'clock, and it's like, where'd the day go? I barely did anything. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month, 10%. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. All right, taping this part of the podcast, it's 2.30 Pacific time, 5.30 East time. So God only knows what else is going to happen with the Super League drama. Um, Chris Ryan is here. Eminent soccer fan, movie fan, basketball fan. He's a bunch of eminence with him with the ringer. But uh, soccer, when chaos happens like this, this is really your wheelhouse, your domain. This is like a bad sports movie um, or like a bad Amazon first season of a drama where people try to create a league and all hell breaks loose. Right now, you said they're on a Zoom yeah, trying to figure is, out if they should do this or not. What the fuck is happening? This is my favorite sports story of the year. It's basically like the, it's like the big short meets GameStop meets like, like so many other things meets that scene in Wedding Crashers where Will Ferrell is like, that guy died in a hang gliding accident. Like <laughs> there's so much stuff happening with this. And it's the wild thing is, is it's only been like 48 hours. So I have no idea what could happen in the next 48 hours. Apparently the 12 clubs who are supposed to start this breakaway European super league in European club soccer and football are having a zoom meeting, deciding whether they're going to go through with it or not. Officially, at least it looks like Manchester city is the only team to withdraw completely from it. Although I believe Chelsea is unofficially withdrawn uh, I'm just going off of what the Guardian is reporting and what I've seen on Twitter today. So City and Chelsea have pulled out. Uh, but yeah, it's just been an absolute chaotic shit show. Is Who's driving this ultimately? Is it just the owners? Is there other stuff going on here? Is it owners that don't care about 
the legacy of soccer itself and who seem to not understand that if you just have a league of super teams, there's no teams for them to then beat up on and that somebody would then be at the bottom of the pack. Like, I don't know. It seems like an idea from people who don't actually follow or like sports. So Americans. <laughs> okay, good. There we go. No, I mean, the person who's like the front man for this band uh, this is Florentino Perez, who is the owner or the president of Real Madrid. Real Madrid elects a president and he's, he's currently the president. He's like an icon kind of in the uh, history of, of modern football. He's the guy who kind of popularized this idea of the Galacticos, where you go and you buy up all these huge players from around the world and put together a superstar team. And then his wingmen in this seem to be uh, a guy named Andrea Agnelli, who is the uh, sort of the guys in charge of Juventus, the the Italian team, and then the Glazers from Manchester United. Oh God, John Henry from Liverpool. Oh Stan, no. Stan Kroenke from Arsenal. Oh, and a few God. other people. So along with that, there's a couple other Spanish teams, et cetera, et cetera. There's Tottenham, but those guys seem to be the main drivers of this. Now, over the course of the day, there have been tweets from uh, variously reputable sources saying United's dropping out, Chelsea's dropping out, City's dropping out, Barcelona's out. Then there was like a wave kind of like in the afternoon where it was like Barcelona's still in, a bunch of these clubs are still in, they're holding the line. So we are we are really in a kind of touch and go situation. But your question is like, why is this happening? I, there's a bunch of clubs that make a lot of money many of whom are in a lot of debt, who are saying, we bring all the value to this sport. We should get to control more of the sport and keep more of the revenue. And they don't want to be threatened with getting blown out of a fucking airlock if they have too much debt on their books or they have a bad season and they don't make the Champions League because the financial hit that they would take would be too significant. They're coming off of like basically a year, a full year, of not having people in stadiums there. The vaccination rollout in Europe is not going nearly as well as it is here in the States. They don't know. I mean, like they're talking about having fans in stands in England for some of these FA Cup games, I think, towards the end of the season. But they're in peril, you know, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. But somehow they've picked an issue that seems to have united like the Bernie Bros and Amazon and Sky Sports in resistance to it. Like, I don't think, I didn't think we could find common ground anymore, but apparently being mad at Florentino Perez is it. Wow. That's a really special achievement by him, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to yeah, have so, a unanimous disapproval rating is almost impossible in this day and age. So the, and the other big thing about this is it's very much like a, uh, it's a contemporary story. It's a very modern story because it reflects how we've all been working together for the last year where I feel like if these guys were in offices, people would be like, hey, did you see? Why was Florentino talking to that guy? That You know, like, but because it, it's all over Zoom, you basically have like these situations where the guy who is who runs UEFA literally pulled a, I had coffee with Macaulay a half an hour ago. He was like, I just talked to Agnelli. He was like, we're all good. And then turned his phone off. And next thing I knew, there was a European Super League. So the drama is just, it's better than anything I've seen on TV. Do you think there's already been some stuff about how people would be afraid to bid on it because it's been such, there's been such a backlash. Amazon was basically like, yeah, we're, that seems too weird. We're, 
Dude, no, Amazon has Premier League rights. Like, Amazon streams Premier League. Like, Sky Sports has huge, like, investment in the Premier League. All of these networks are already, like, pot committed to the leagues that they show. Like, sure, let's let's say, like, hypothetically, like, you go to ESPN and you say, you go to Disney and say, hey, you want, do you want this European Super League? Like, first of all, I have no idea how, like, the Paramount CBS aspect of it, like, would they say, like, yeah, cool. Like we spent a billion dollars on Champions League, but now there's another league with the better team. Yeah, here's more money. That's fucking ridiculous. Like the lawsuits would go flying everywhere. Like the thing I can't get over is how these guys thought they could get away with this without it being more airtight. Well, there's another common enemy here that nobody likes who's also really mad about this. And if you're gonna make the case of I'm kind of rooting for these guys to upend the system, it's because everybody also hates FIFA. Yes. Who's the most corrupt place on the earth who takes um, huge, huge amounts of money from basically everybody. Nobody really knows what they do. They allegedly govern everybody and watch out for everybody, but they do a terrible job at it. There's bribery left and right. There's all kinds of kickbacks, all kinds of terrible stuff. So the one fun thing about this is FIFA like being, you know, they're like the loan shark who's like, hey, <laughs> so I, I got a better deal. I'm not going to give 30% interest on that loan. I'm gonna, I'm just going to go on my own. What? What do you mean? Like, Because they're loan sharks. And so that's the one fun thing about this is watching FIFA panic. Yeah, there's something about any group of people saying, why are we doing it the same way we've always been doing it? And that is essentially how the Premier League started. Like the Premier League was just the first division of English, English football. It was at the top of the pyramid. And then a group of people, along with a lot of television executives, decided how about we monetize this in a better way. Instead of calling it the first division, it's the Premier League. We sell the TV rights. We sort of solidify the upper echelon of English football and it becomes Manchester United and Arsenal and whoever else. So like this isn't the first time somebody has tried something like this. The Champions League itself is kind of a distortion of what used to be like the cup winners cup and then the European cup. So there's not, it's not like there's never been evolutionary steps in competitive football, but I think that this is another miracle is that they have somehow these 12 clubs have made people sympathetic to FIFA and UEFA who we usually spend the entire football season being like, fuck these guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> these guys hate us. Why yeah. do we put up with it? When, I was trying to think of the American sports equivalent of this. So, uh, a friend of mine today was saying how it would be if in college football, yeah. if what the 12 best teams were just like, fuck the NCAA, fuck everybody. We're just going to, it would literally be impossible. It couldn't happen. But if they just all teamed up and they just left and like for basketball, we no longer had March madness with those 12 teams. They were in some separate. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good example. If you took like six, SEC teams, some Big Ten teams or Big 12 or whatever it's become, a couple of Pac-12 UCLA, teams. UCLA, Yeah, USC, exactly. And and some Texas and Oklahoma schools University of Texas, University right. of Oregon. You just had like those 15. And then they said, peace out to the NCAA. Here's the deal. We are essentially like starting a new a new league. We are we're paying our player. We're paying students. Exactly. And we're, we're going to renegotiate TV deals for ourselves. So we're going to go to directly to Disney or directly to whoever and say, here's a new deal. And then to try and get out of it, they were like, don't worry, the money that we make from this hugely profitable endeavor, we will then cut a piece of that out to like redistribute to colleges or whatever. That would be probably the closest thing. But then you have to add this wrinkle where the personalities involved in the breakaway Super League are so like Bond villainy at this point where it's like, 
it would basically be uh, if we I can't even think of like what it would be for the NBA because the NBA already is kind of this cabal where the owners own the league and it's just like yeah. 30 guys. They don't need to do it. Yeah, but like it would be essentially like if Pat Riley was like, I'm tired of seeing my guys twist ankles and spin their wheels against like the Charlottes and New Orleanses. We need to make a 12 team league where we can control the season, the schedule, all this, everything about yeah, it. It's a 35 game season and we all make more money. We don't exactly. have to share with Oklahoma City, exactly. and Memphis. I'm tired of floating teams that aren't competitive. I'm tired of floating teams that are mismanaged. You know, my arena holds this many people. My TV rights are worth tons more than than this this club. So why am I why am I splitting up the pie? Well, you know, it would be funny if if the Super League had happened, and then like three years into it, they're like, so. We've decided to have some expansion teams. Well, they were going to have. They're going to pay. They're going to yeah. pay us three billion dollars to, and then all of a sudden it's thirty teams, and basically we end up back where we were anyway. With the they claim that there would be opportunities for teams to get into this league, but the the thing that it would destroy is the domestic competitions because if you've got, let's just say they started the Super League, but the the usual leagues like the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, they let these teams stay in the domestic competitions. Well, now those teams, which were already dominating these leagues, outside of England, you know, Bayern Munich's won Germany like most of the last 10 years. Juventus has won eight or nine Italian titles in a row or whatever. Like, it's it's a monopoly at the top of a lot of European leagues. It's either Real Madrid or Barcelona winning every year, the exception of Atletico Madrid every once in a while. So these guys would just be richer they would just be buying more players. The problem already is in soccer is that like if you see any competition coming up in your rearview mirror, you just buy that team's best players and decimate the team behind you. So if these teams were now all of a sudden even richer but still playing in their domestic leagues, it would essentially kill competition forever. There would be no way a Leicester City could happen again. And Leicester is probably one of the most miraculous sports stories we've had this century. It's all very depressing. Um, I was thinking tough hit for America with this whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, like, here's what like people that, are that saying. LAFC wasn't invited <laughs> to try to get. But also your really, boy. It's a wake up call, really, for your American boy soccer. Henry. He's like, I got to trade Mookie Betts and fuck the Premier League. Like, what are you doing? What's the menu? Well, that's what he probably did on the Zoom. They're like, John, what do you think we should do? He's like, look. I just traded a generational superstar for 40 cents in the dollar. I'm not the guy to ask, but I'll go along with whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, like, I think. Wait a second. Why does LeBron smart. James keep calling me? Yeah, <laughs> hold on. LeBron, LeBron and Matt are on the line. Um, it actually would have been smart for them to have an American super team, like almost like an expansion team, just so they had the American territory, right? I mean, I, I think that they were sticking to this idea that it was going to be a Champions League replacement. So it would be a European league where the best of Europe would do it. But like knowing these guys and their greed, of course they would do that. Of course they would invite, eventually they would probably try to like get One, teams from around the globe to Mexico. participate. Yeah. And like I was talking with uh, the guys who do our Stadio podcast on Ringer FC, Ryan and Musa. Great podcast. And Musa was saying like, this is going to end up with like, Somebody, they're going to be playing the Champions League in Dubai or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, this is where this would, or the European Super League, that's where it would be going. I can kind of see it, if I, if I try to play devil's advocate, I can sort of see it from the Glazers and the Henrys' perspective. Now, they should have known better buying into this in the first place. But for instance, Liverpool won the league last year. Incredible story, incredible season. They're a little bit burned out. COVID hit the team really hard. They're 
they've been just been average this year, pretty much. And they're they're in like uh, fifth, sixth, seventh place for most. This is of the season. Chris's team, for and this is my team. This is the team I support. Yeah. This is the team that John Henry owns. So you're John Henry, and all of a sudden you find out that because you're having an off season, you're going to lose thirty. 40, 50, 60, 70 million euros. Sponsorships might not be as valuable. Your best players might go looking to go play somewhere else. That's not how it really works in American sports. Like if the Cowboys go four and, and 12, they're not like poorer for it. They're just Wait, not in the Why playoff. don't you use the Red Sox as the example? Right, exactly. The Red like, Sox win the World Series, then shit the bed for two straight years. He's still packing Fenway Park. Right. And they still pack those stadiums in England. Like even teams that like, you know, Newcastle has been shit forever, but they still get pretty good crowds. Well, they're but, all drunk though. They don't, <laughs> they don't even know who's winning. <laughs> get, a, get a beer named after you. But like <laughs> they, I, I just think for the Americans, they're just like, I don't understand the idea of risk. How could risk be involved in this competition? Like there's no risk in being the Red Sox. The only thing you get is ridiculed for being bad. You don't lose money over it. Yeah. So on social media and with with the media in America and abroad, was this a 100 percent um, disapproval? Were there bad takes? Were people trying to zag? What was the what was I have zag not culture? seen a very significant zag. Uh, a guy named Michael Cox, who I lo- really, really love his writing. He usually writes about football tactics. He wrote a piece for The Athletic that was basically like this sucks, but let's n- let's not kid ourselves about what what European football has kind of turned into, which is what I was talking about, which is essentially outside of England, we know who's going to win the championship every year. And if they get it all threatened, they're just going to go buy the best players on the most threatening team. And England isn't that much better. I mean, for the most part, City, Liverpool, you know, United have won the, the last 10 titles with the exception of Leicester. So it's really hard for some of these clubs to get in. The ones that I thought were the most interesting participants were clubs like Arsenal or Tottenham. Tottenham specifically just bought, like, just, you know, built a new stadium in London, yeah. a huge spaceship. So they're in debt on that. They are uh, about to likely lose their best player, Harry Kane, in the transfer market next summer because he's going to want to go play somewhere where he can win titles. And they just fired their very expensive coach, Jose Mourinho. So I could kind of understand why Tottenham is like, we're never going to win the title. We barely get into the Champions League, but somehow we got invited into this thing we're definitely down to do this because otherwise we're about to get blown out of the fucking airlock and and come in eighth this season or ninth. So I can see it in from their perspective. For this perspective of people like Chelsea and City who are owned by like uh, obscenely rich guys who don't yeah. really need this extra bit of cheddar, like I don't really understand it. They And I, I think that's exemplified by the fact that they were the first ones to jump ship when it got too hot. Tottenham will be last. To jump, probably. Tottenham's probably just like, guys, we're still doing this, right? Yeah, guys, <laughs> but hold on. We made the hats. We did everything. Um, so how does this play out? When does this completely fall apart? What's I mean, your prediction? What's your the, office pool prediction? The, the pace at which it's going now, I think it's over by Thursday. Uh, you know, it's Tuesday now. I think this is probably wrapped up by Thursday. They're having this meeting now. You know, I, I don't know how many more times Florentino can drag his ass in front of the media in Spain and try and explain this away or try and tell people this is for the good of the game. And it looks like UEFA and FIFA just trump these guys with the, you know, not inconsiderable power of modern football media. It can't be understated. Like, I've never seen Sky Sports just like unleashed hell on these guys. Like, just basically having their pundits be like, 
fuck this guy, fuck that guy, fuck this guy. It would be like if the jump just like read the riot act at Adam Silver for like an hour every day. <laughs> oh, that would never happen. But that would Come never on. happen here. But like the partners turned on Definitely, these teams yeah. because the partners are the partners of the Premier League, not Chelsea, not Manchester United. So they had the incentive to protect the the brand that they're already invested in, not some new fabulous idea about like a Super League with no promotion or relegation. So this is the equivalent of dad met a, met a stewardess in the 1970s. Yeah. And dad just didn't come home for four days. And it's like, whoa, dad, so dad's gone. And then five days later, dad comes back like nothing ever happened. And then it's never discussed again. You don't know I love you guys. Come yeah, on. Look, <laughs> ah, look, had to let off some steam. Yes. So that's that's how they're going to act. Basically, all these owners are like, ah, we were never going to really well, we're do it. We're already seeing th this is going to there's going to be some skulls over this one because oh. Edward, Edward Wood from Manchester United already resigned. He claims that he was always planning on doing so this year. There's rumors that Agnelli from Juventus is out. There's heat on uh, Florentino Perez. So it, it's it's getting hot. So you're saying super rich owners using people below them as scapegoats for terrible ideas? Looks like it. Well, but some of these clubs are owned more collectively than that, you know, and some of these, I, you know, it, it goes against some of their some of their ideals. Like Liverpool and Manchester United are supposed to be like working class clubs. You know, Barcelona is supposed to mean something to the people of, of the, the Catalan region of Spain. You know, it's like it's... The, Part of the reason why I got into the sport in general is because of the tradition and the history and the connection between the clubs and the neighborhoods that the stadiums are in down down to like the smallest little subsections of North London. So when you subtract all of that and you're just like, we're just going to make it this global streaming digital product, it just kind of becomes like everything else. That's depressing. Give me uh, one soccer storyline to watch that's actually involves balls and people playing on a field. I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, I think that uh, I, I would say that the, the, most of the leagues are pretty much wrapped up, but the, the Champions League should be interesting. Manchester City has been pouring and pouring and pouring money into their team for years now, and they still haven't been able to win the Champions League, which is sort of the, the real crown yeah. jewel for them. So this is the year for them. They have a really good team. They've got the league pretty much wrapped up, I think completely wrapped up. So it's really Champions League or bust. So I would I keep an eye on City. Um, Before you go, Embiid MVP case. Did, didn't he just did get you, it taken from him last night? Did it's it's it felt like it was extinguished last night, right? Well, I, I thought it was like done anyway, but last night was like I can't, the nail I in the can't coffin. tell anymore. We, there was a time where we didn't even start talking about MVP until this time of year, and now I feel like we've been talking about it all year long. I feel you partially can, responsible. I used to jump the gun and get try to get it going, and now it starts in like game 15. Yeah, I mean, I. Look, like they were like there were definitely people chanting for Curry for MVP last night in Philly. It was it was it wasn't cool, but can you I, I who do you think has it now? Then if it's not Embiid. No, it's Jokic. Jokic should win and I think he's a really good candidate as we laid out on Sunday night on this podcast. I I don't know what's wrong with just saying Jokic is the MVP. He's played every game. That team is going to be a top 4 seed and How many more how many more games like this can Curry have to make it so that it's a conversation with him. So we we talked uh, before you came on with Logan and Marcus about uh, Curry and talked about a bunch of stuff. And Marcus was, we were talking about the 06 Lakers, Kobe, that whole thing. Kobe didn't win that year, but I thought he should have won. He was the one I voted for. That team was more successful than this Warriors team's a 500 team. 
Yeah. There's no correlation, no record, no, there's no other example to be like, that guy is the, is our MVP. His team went 41 and 41. It's never happened. So I feel like they would have to go on like a. What was the 13. record for the Russ the Russ year? What was the, the Thunder's record that year? They still won like 48, 49 games, something yeah. like that, you know? So I, I think unless they went on a major run, it's not going to happen. It says more about what a goofy year this is, but I still feel like Embiid was the best player I saw this year, but Steph's starting to take that title too. Because the stuff he's and, done the last three weeks has been as high as anything we've seen. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly been it's been the best part of the NBA season. It's, you can now like yeah. tune in every single night and have like a 75% chance of seeing a miracle when you watch him play. It's just that, amazing. And I think Poku on OKC trying to save <laughs> KOC's trying to save KOC at the ringer from us yeah. giving him shit for the next five years. Top, top three stories of the NBA season, Steph, Poku, and Stan Van Gundy's <laughs> last five minute management. <laughs> All right, we're up three. Leave that guy open. I want Stan to double down and now try to high five the shit out of guys. Like every single break is just like seeing who's (laughs) high fiving him. (laughs) Who will touch him? I want a high five cam on Van Gundy. You're pro playing game, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm pro playing game for this specific reason. I want to see Steph and Luca in a one game death match. That's incredible. My whole thing is who's turning it off and anybody is like, oh, I don't like it. It's like, all right, well, don't watch. How about that? Yeah, like, no, I mean, no, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. That's they, the thing they, is like, it, it's like, I, I have no conviction about it. Like, I do think it's watered down the product as we come into the playoffs. But I have like, I will be like not taking any calls during that game. Like, don't text me. It's going to be amazing. So um, I was in Florida in a hotel room for many days just now. And uh, watching, 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 man, watching Manhunter. <laughs> Watching um, lots of movies, including The Godfather 1 and 2 for some reason. But, um, you know, Limitless with Cooper. Yeah. I can't decide if we've made a massive mistake not doing yet on the rewatchables or whether it's like last year of the rewatchables, like when we're, it's the TV show where a lot of people have left, but there's still the two, you're kind of holding on to the franchise. Yeah, we're, we're running the car on vegetable oil, you know? It's yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that movie's really good. And I don't, I feel like if I texted you and said, let's do Limitless, you'd be like, Are, you wouldn't know if I was kidding or not. I mean, it kind of is a very... It goes back to like the original DNA of the pod, which is like the movie that you just have to stick it out when it comes up on TV. And that is, and, and it does have a bunch of scenes like that. I have a weird soft spot for shitty Brad Coop, Bradley Cooper movies. Like I feel that way about Burnt. <laughs> I also like Burnt. <laughs> so if we did Limitless at some point this year, you wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. You wouldn't quit. be against it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't form a breakaway podcast. Well, we were texting. Um, all of us will have been vaccinated by the end of this month. And we have, it's time to start doing the big ones again. Yeah. It's time to get in a room and do our thing. There's been a lot of circling of good fellas, like a lot. Got to s- slice the garlic real thin. Like a, like a lot. Like yeah. I, I just drove over to my mom's house at four in the morning yesterday with a shirt covered in blood for no reason <laughs> to see if she would make me meatballs. She didn't. She was like, what are you doing here? It's, it's four in the morning. Please go. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, we have a lot of stuff in store for that. Uh, and by the way, check out Chris on Fridays on the the Ringer NBA show, the answer. Yeah. Thank you. You've had some answers. I have. I've been trying, trying to search for the truth out there. Chris Ryan. Good to see you as always. Bye buddy. 
That's it for the podcast. We have one more coming on Thursday, including uh, a long interview with Dana White. So stay tuned. See you on Thursday.